there's a new brewery opening in the bill, um, Aggieville Brewing Company. Okay. And I'm a part owner on that. What? Oh, nice. and, yeah. Hey, Coach, um, you want to oh, yeah. hear about oh, our investment way, idea? By the way, hang on. <laughs> we, um, at the end of the interview, Coach, if you have anything you want to plug, we'll, we'll give you a time at the end to be like, hey, whatever, whatever you want to insert, plug, take your time, like talk about. We'll, we'll, let, you, we'll let you put all that in there, there in the end. But I do want to hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so it, the master brewer is one of my friends from undergrad also. And he was there the night that I drank a whole fifth of Barton's vodka by myself. That's disgusting. Barton's? Coach. It was. It was so much bad. Um, And I was slumped over in the corner, I guess, at this party. And one of our mutual friends and him walked up to me and they were like, dude, you all right? And I was like, cool man needs water. (laughs) And Cool man. So with... He's putting an emphasis on local Manhattan history with the names of these beers and stuff like that. Cool. Um, but he's also releasing a line of seltzers, and they're called Cool Man Needs Water. gentlemen and as always the one the only austin springer how are we doing today today today's unreal it's actually one of the i don't know if i can even say one up i think it is my favorite episode that we have recorded yet thus far tonight has been electric so far unreal Uh, we're 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 just getting into the intro but we, we just spent the last probably hour and a half interviewing our our first ever guest star on tape to tape our old roller cats head coach coleman younger we'll get we'll get into him a little bit later but first springer how we doing buddy how are we doing dude i have spent way too much time recovering from my trip to both (laughs) kansas city and houston i i don't know if you want to get into the story about uh one of my nights in Kansas City, but I, let's let just, me tell you, just, it let's was just say the, the jet lag, the jet lag, and the drinking caught up to Springer at about seven p.m., which is Central Time. For those of you that are keeping seven p.m. Track, Central Time, for those yes. of the, for those of you that are keeping track, Springer was about down and out for the count seven p.m. Central Time, which is actually five p.m. his body clock time. So it was uh, it was a <laughs> it was a sight to be had. It, it was phenomenal. But dude, at the end of the day. It was, it was just amazing to have you out. Like, it, it was Dude. just amazing to see you in person and be able to record an Epi in person and just be able to hang out. Like, we, we haven't, like we said, we haven't, we hadn't done that two plus years. So that was just unreal to have you down here. I know, dude. The fact that, like, we were able to spend, like you said, on the pod, like 36 hours together. Yes. Sucked ass because it was only it was 36 way hours. Way too short. Way too oh, short. Oh, dude. I, but it was I also left. amazing because I got to see you for 36 hours. Uh, dude, I know. And we got to cuddle and all that shit. But no. Um, of course. It was it was one of those things where I, I got on my flight back to Spokane. And I was like, honestly, if I had had two more days in Kansas City, 
that would have made my trip so much better. Dude, like it, I, it felt I like, wish I would. Well, it's, it's now definitely get, getting me and the fiance in the mindset of, okay, well, how are, how are we making it up to Spokane? We're going to go see a game. We're going to, we're going to go Ooh. chill in Seattle. Like we're going to hang out with Springer and his lady. So it, don't worry. The, the, the reverse is, is in the, in the mindset. It's in the process. Good. We, we, we want to make it up there as soon as we can, because it was, it was just too much fun to hang out with you and, and not, not be able to do it again. Definitely not going to go it. another two years oh. without doing that again. So, Oh, I mean, I, I think if we don't make it six months without seeing each other again, I'm not going to be mad. I'm just going to be disappointed. Oh, but Thanks. Thanks dad. <laughs> but dude, I'm, not I, mad. I'm just disappointed. Exactly. Exactly. Well, but thank you. That's worse than being mad. And now I hate my life and I'm rethinking everything. <laughs> dude, Kidding. Dads are, Kidding. dads are, dads do a fantastic job of just like they make you so pissed off at yourself you're like not only did i let my father down but i let myself they, down too they, they that's that's such a good way to put it they do such a good job of not they don't make you feel like shit they just say the things to make you start thinking about what you did and mm-hmm. then realize oh man i suck yeah i suck yeah um yeah. shout out all the dads out there, uh, as we're as dads. we're getting close to Father's Day, yeah. Shout out to all the fathers out there. Um, we appreciate y'all. We love what you do, and as as much fun as we poke every now and then at 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 fathers and our own dads, whatever it is, uh, we love you all. And we, we do. We are very appreciative for everywhere you've you've gotten us in life. And I, I try. I can I can personally say I would not be a quarter of the man that I am if it weren't for my father and yep. what, what, what he has done to shape me. So yep. uh, I, I, I always like to say that if I could become half of the man that my father is, then I think I've lived a pretty successful life, you know, above and beyond hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. So hell so. yeah, dude. Well, let's, uh, Let's let's get off the senti topic. God, you I know, and I, I know. you and I tonight, dude, dude. This whole pod has just been nothing but Cinti. As soon as you listen to the the interview we had with our coach, you're oh my if you're not bawling your eyes out, then you should probably see a professional. I uh, I, I started to shed some tears. I'm I'm not I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you about it. It, it was I, it was it's it's been an emotional evening. It was an it emotional was. pod. It was. I mean. <laughs> Stay tuned for the the interview yeah, we have yeah, with yeah. our former Inter- coach. Interview is coming up here in, in roughly I don't know 10, 15 minutes. We'll we'll, we'll get you guys whatever. the interview going. Whatever whatever it is. We're not numbers guys. I'm not but an accountant. I don't, I don't know how to know. count. I don't, I don't I don't I don't do the numbers things. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to school for exactly. math. Two plus yeah. two is five. That's what I thought. So exactly, dude. We have the greatest time among us right now. We do. These Stanley we Cup. Do finals oh baby and not only do we have the stanley cup finals but we have the colorado avalanche looking to win for the first time since i believe the 2001 season or do i have that mm-hmm. wrong might be 0102 I, so. I don't know again not a numbers guy i don't care do your own counting look it up yourself <laughs> what what are we a podcast or something you you're supposed <laughs> to hear the correct numbers from us i don't think so no um <laughs> we're not professionals no again, side gig We've, exactly. Uh, definitely can't support a family on this one yet. No, thank you. No, not yet. Um, yet. Okay. Sorry. We got the Avs against the Lightning. We're looking to three-peat. The Lightning have not lost, or, or they, I'm sorry, they have won 
we're looking at 11 playoff series in a row, I believe. And if you look at Pat Maroon playing for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who also played for the St. Louis Blues Mm -hmm. the year before the Lightning went on their run, Pat Maroon himself has won 15 consecutive playoff series. And Corey Perry looking to play in his third in a row Stanley Cup finals, hoping to get a win in this third Stanley Cup appearance of his in a row. That is that is also true. We uh, we also have the first cup ever that features both teams that don't end in the letter S. And that might sound like a dumb stat to you, but I, I dare you to go ahead and find me more than five teams and you can't use the wild and you can't use the Kraken because we talk about them too much. Find me five other NHL teams besides wild Kraken avalanche lightning that end in S that is that in itself is a feat that bo- that both teams don't end in an S something else. that's pretty sick about these playoffs is we have the highest ever average ticket price in the Stanley cup finals. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe the last number that I saw was like 1060 is the average ticket price for any one of the games that are slated at the moment. And that's on top of that, uh, which is, is stupid, dude, you just, that's not, you can't do that. Um, but also on top of that, all seven games are slated to be on local broadcast stations, which is yep. huge for the yep. NHL because that has not typically been the case. Yep, all seven games are going to be on ABC, which means that you do not have to have cable to watch all seven games of the Stanley Cup Finals, which is unbelievable in the sense that they are all local national conglomerates, you know, broadcasting the Stanley Cup Finals, which is, I mean, in terms of growing the game, I, I think that that is a huge deal because you don't have to have cable to watch this game. You can literally which, be, which, which literally means there's really no excuse to not be watching. Amen, brother. Amen. So I, I, if you're not watching the Stanley cup finals in the next upcoming week, week and a half, two weeks, then you, sh- I, I don't know. You should, you but should. you should, if, if you're not going to watch at least one game, why are you listening to the podcast talking all about hockey Amen. and growing the game and, and where we're at? I mean, yeah. what are you doing? Just, just, just watch, at least the game. watch one. At least watch yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I mean, shoot. When, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday night might be the best game to watch in the entire series. You don't know. Well, at least watch game one. We might get into that. We'll get into that. Looks. But yeah, you know how it looks. Yeah. And I mean, all right. If. I could see this series going to seven games and we'll get into that later. But oh, if you don't watch game seven, you are a psychopath. Who uh, does you're, not like sports. Well, you're wrong. You're, you're just flat out. You're wrong. wrong. You're wrong. If, if, you're if wrong. there's a game seven, I, I will say this much. If there's a game seven of any series in any playoffs, it deserves to be watched. That's <laughs> just my opinion. Um, I, I know people don't love baseball. I, I love baseball, uh, and it, that being said, I don't watch a lot of baseball during the MLB. I still love the sport. Yep. It's, it's yeah. a great sport. I love, I love seeing it when I do. Um, but if there's a Game 7 in the MLB postseason, I'm going to watch it. If there's a Game 7 mm-hmm. in the NBA Finals, which there will be because the Celtics are inevitably going to win Game 6 and then go back home to Golden State and win again uh, on the road and take it in 7, 
I'm going to watch game seven as well. You just, you don't pass up an opportunity to watch game seven. But Springer, we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves. We uh, because we haven't even started game one yet. But nope. before we get to game one, Connor McDavid. Oh, baby. Did he get himself in a little bit of trouble this past yeah. week? For those of you that don't know or haven't seen, if you just go ahead and look up Mick David, MC David, Owen work, uh, you will see the video. Not only is this dude just annihilated. I mean, he had at least 50 beers, at least. There's no less. 50 and a half. Maybe, maybe 50 and a quarter. <laughs> I mean, I, to say he's absolutely in one is an understatement. It's an understatement. Let me tell you. He's Oof. an understatement. But, man, uh, did he make some dumb decisions. Uh, it appears in the video that he is walking with uh, a lady. And they, they appear to be a little... I, I won't say they appear to be intimate because, you know, they're not seen like kissing or anything, but they, they, I do believe they have arms around each other. And, uh, we do know for a fact it is, it is not McDavid's girlfriend. So mm-hmm. the question then becomes, can we really refer to McDavid as McJesus anymore? I mean, is McJesus a saint or a sinner? We That's don't know right. at this point. That's right. We don't know at this point. That's I, right. There, there hasn't been enough I think it's information to quite come out, right? You know, like, like we, there's he, not. he hasn't made a statement. The girl hasn't made a statement. His girlfriend, or possibly ex at this point, hasn't made a statement. Like, we, we, don't, we don't quite know, but it, it, it is a, uh, a, a very timely video when it comes to hockey. Um, no kidding. You, you I go mean, and you lose the series to the abs, and then you decide to get on a level, which is fine. I'm all about mm-hmm. that. Hey, yeah. I'm, I'm all about it. Go, go get on your level, but you, right. you can't get on a level and then go home with someone else. That's Amen. Just not going to fly. Amen. I, not I my think... book, not in society's book. Nope. Just ain't it, man. Not in anybody's book. No, you'd hope not. I, I, through the rumor mills, and I mean, I, I've heard, you know, different opinions about this whole topic. I've heard that this happened a few years ago, and this is finally coming to surface. So this is a video that came out before McDavid and his girlfriend were together. But, you know, I've also heard a lot of people trying to disprove that idea. And I think it's just interesting that this is the furthest that the Edmonton Oilers have ever been, or, you know, have been in the playoffs in a long time. In a, yeah, in a long time, for sure. Yep, and this is starting to, you know, this hypothesis is starting to come to fruition in the sense that, I don't know, maybe McJesus isn't so holy. I don't maybe. Know. I think it's, maybe. I, I, I do think it's definitely food for thought. Um, yeah. I, I think it really makes you start thinking about, okay, this guy is unreal on the ice, but does that excuse actions off the ice? And, True. you know, do like, where, where does that fall? Um, yeah. In, 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 in his playing ability, does it, does it affect him? Does he get in his head and think, Oh yeah. man, like I messed up. I'm a shit person. And, and now, now all of a sudden my, my game is, is struggling because I, I can't keep my head straight or yeah. the, the more likely scenario 
does he just go back to doing Connor McDavid things <laughs> and being an yeah. absolute animal on the ice? We don't know. We're, we're yeah. not going to know for an entire postseason and offseason. Uh, we've yeah. got a lot of time until we see McDavid play again. But yeah. uh, I mean, it does. I'm going to be honest. I think that this is a video that happened years ago and it's finally like coming to surface. I think don't so? think this is he, real. I really looked, do. He looked pretty, uh, he looked pretty old in that one, man. Uh, I mean, he did, but McDavid has the kind of face that looks so old and so young at the same time. Like he could have been 13 or 37 true. in that's that video. True. That's true. It's, it's, it's tough to really distinguish either way. I don't know. Uh, made for some great gossip in the NHL while we were, uh, as, as we've kind of hit, I, I don't, I don't want to say we've hit the lull, uh, but we do kind of get to that point where there's not a game on every night and, you know, people, people are itching to talk hockey any chance they get, if, even if it doesn't pertain to a game and mm-hmm. McDavid just happened to fall into the middle of that. So whether, whether it was an old video that resurfaced or whether he was actually, you know, uh, cheating, cheating on a sweetheart out at, uh, out at the clubs, we might not know for a while and that's okay. Yeah. And, uh, we're, we're just going to move on. We're just, we're just going to move on and, See what happens in the next couple yeah. uh, next couple of days. Let's Maybe talk about something. Yeah, let's talk about something more exciting though. We have the Stanley Cup Finals right now. 100%. Oh, let's go! Can't wait. The Stanley Cup Finals. The final. We have the winning the Colorado oh. Avalanche, who I would say is a team that has been looking for the opportunity to play in the Cup Finals for what four years now. This is a team that has been. They, they've had, they, I, I think I, I know exactly what you're trying to say, but I, I just kind of want to make it a little more like entry level. They have yeah. had the talent and the people to win the cup for the past four years. And they haven't, yeah. they've 100%. typically gone to the first round or the second round and they lose. Um, in this heartbreaking is, this fashion. Is, in very heartbreaking fashion In very heartbreaking fashion. So this is, this is the first time that abs fans uh, in, you know, 20 years, are, are seeing a team that's, that's actually living up to their potential and doing what they're supposed to do, whether it's preseason or whether it's middle of the season or whether it's closing out the season. They're, they're finally on track to do what they've kind of been set up to do in the past four years. The question is, Springer, can they do it? Because on the other side of the ice, we have a team that's looking to three-peat. Uh, repeating the Stanley Cup is unbelievably, some might say impossible. It's it's an it's an amazing feat. To three Pete is unfathomable, and the Lightning are staring that right in the eyes right now. Springer, I I just have to know who are you taking, how many games, and who is your X factor player? Give it to me. Oh, okay. So this is tough because there's two sides of me here. There's one that's a hockey fan, and there's one that's a realist. So <laughs> I feel like you and I are about to echo each other to a T, but continue. I agree. Okay. So from a betting standpoint, for those of you who are who don't give two shits about Stanley Cup hockey, who are just looking to place a wager on a game, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are looking to three-peat are plus 165 right now to win the series. 
plus 165, which for a team that is looking to three-peat is unbelievable. For for so, those of you for those of you familiar with betting numbers, if if I personally could put my own numbers on the series, I would have it damn near even. I, I would have the abs at minus 110 and the lightning at minus 110. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't that, I would maybe have like the abs at minus 120 and the lightning at plus 105. So mm-hmm. to get the lightning right now before a game has even been played at plus 165, it, it's solely for the value. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, basically what that means is if you were to put $100 down, if the Tampa Bay Lightning win the series, you would you would win one hundred and sixty five dollars, which is plus, plus your one hundred investment back. Mm-hmm. That's right. So so that for a team that has is looking to three peat is unbelievable. So yeah. from a betting standpoint, I would say putting at least a little bit of money on the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the series is a given. I yeah. think that that Agreed. is something that you should not look past. Agreed. With that being as said, much as though, I hate to say it. Yep, agreed. With that being said, though, I can't see anybody not liking the Tampa Bay Lightning's odds in this series. I think that there is a really good chance that the Lightning three-peat here. And I think to an extent, it really comes down to the experience of playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. I, th- but, I, thought, I thought you were going to say it. We've been talking about it all postseason. Nope. Nope. All right. But, I'll, I'll save it for mine then. No, nope. We're getting there. Don't Damn worry, it. buddy. <laughs> I know. I know. It comes down to playoff experience. And yeah, where do you really see playoff experience shine is in the goaltending position. Ah, beat me to it. (laughs) I beat you to it. I beat you to it. So with that being said, it's the goaltending between Andre Vasilevsky playing in the Stanley Cup between Darcy Kemper, who has never really gotten up to this potential or up this far into a playoff series don't don't forget you're keep you're you're assuming Kemper's getting the go well yeah it, that's it, true it could even be Pat up that's true that's true and that's what I'm saying it's like I, you know we're talking about x factors and I I think you know to an extent you know we kind of touch on this with our interview with coach but my X factor is Darcy Kemper. Wow. I think, I think if Darcy Kemper plays well, I think that there's a really good chance that the abs win this series. And that is because that. that's, that's the, that's the in hockey. That's the hockey enthusiast with any, I think if Darcy Kemper plays out of his mind and stands on his head and net, I think the abs win the series, but if Darcy Kemper doesn't show up for those one or two games, plus that he plays the abs have absolutely no chance yeah. at all. Yeah. They're going to have a hard time pulling out the series. If, if their tendy can't stand on their, stand on their head. Yep. 
especially when you look down at the ice at Vasilevsky. Um, yep. I, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think there is a ridiculous amount of betting value in the Lightning. Uh, that being said, I'm, I'm not putting down any bets until post-game one. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to wait and see how the boys play, see where we're at, and then kind of move from there. But I, I think game one is going to be very interesting. You have the Abs who run a very run-and-gun style offense playing against the Lightning who are a very defensively sound team. And so it's, it's going to be a matter of which one of those budges first. And I, I just can't answer that question for you right now. I, I couldn't so, tell you. So I'm going to say this. I would not wait. I, I wouldn't put anything after game one. So according to my research and, you know, every you, you think you think, post, you think wait after game two wait after game two i i, I agree with that tell too, you this. but i but i think game one will still give us some hints and clues as to kind of where things are going to trend so let but me tell I, you this. no i agree i love waiting after game two as well because if the lightning are down oh two i love to hit them yeah to come back so let me, their odds well, will be unreal well and let me tell you this the abs have lost almost every single game one that they've played in the john cooper era because the way true. that John Cooper runs his team and the the mindset that John Cooper gets in his team is that we're playing against a new opponent. We know that we can beat this opponent. We just need at least one game to learn them. Not this only is, be able to it. watch them on film, but be able to physically learn this team and be able to kind of see things that film can't teach you. And see, I think this that is that's... True, but, but if you look at every single one of the series thus far that abs have played on they have won every single game one mm-hmm. yep. they are under they and, are undefeated in game one so far yep and the lightning are almost 100 percent defeated almost. in game one I, I believe they won oh maybe they didn't actually now that i'm thinking about it did they start in behind every series mm-hmm. they did against the rangers they went down 2-0 mm-hmm Oh, no, no, no. They swept the Panthers. What are we saying? No, yeah. they swept the Panthers. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I mean, but they've played the Panthers multiple times this season, so they kind of knew what they were going to be up against. True, they, they, they knew what they were going into. Yeah, so I, I think that this Lightning team is, in terms of adapting, this Lightning team is better than pretty much any other team that we've ever seen in NHL history in terms of adapting from what they learn in game one and being able to use that. Oh, the, out the rest of the, the series, the, the coaching staff of the lightning is above and beyond one of the best coaching staffs we've ever seen in our life. Unbelievable. I, I don't care if you hate the team and this is coming from a guy that does, I, I do not like the lightning and, but, but I will sit here and I will give them all the respect that they deserve because they have a unreal coaching staff and they have a will. And when there's a will Springer, there's, There's a, way. a way, baby. And I, I think that is what sets this Lightning team apart from a lot of other teams in history is they have the coaching staff that is damn near unbeatable. Again, look look at what they've done. Um, and they have the players who trust the process. And I, I hate to steal from Philly there for a second, but they do. I, they, they trust these coaches. They trust the guys that are up above them. They trust that they're going to make the right decisions, and, and they run with it. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I don't like the Lightning, but I respect the hell out of And you can't not. Anybody who, who is a half-decent sports fan, you can hate, hate, hate a team, a player. It doesn't matter. Despise them. But you Damn it, you to, respect but them. But you have to give respect where it's due. Mm-hmm. The Lightning is one of those instances that I, I would love nothing more than to watch them lose. But if they win, I will be able to say, you know what? Congrats. That, you guys have had one of the best runs in the Stanley Cup playoffs in history. In history, yeah. Facts. I, yeah, oh, absolutely. I think with that being said, though, to kind of get back to your question. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, your, your X Factor's Kemper. Yep. Who's taking the series? How many games? I think Tampa's taking the series in seven. I think Tampa's taking the series in seven. I all right. There's a there's a internal battle with me between a hockey fan and a realist. Yeah, right? that's I, dude. You and I have been having the same battle with ourselves for the past week. Ever since the this, entire ever, ever since the Lightning beat the Rangers, we have been having this exact battle with ourselves. Of mm-hmm. I I have to be a realist and I have to recognize that the Lightning have the talent to do it again, whether I like it or not. But at the same time, I, I still being a realist, but being more of an optimist, it's like, oh, I think the abs could do it. And that is where I catch myself every time. I'm like, I'm telling myself, I think they could do it, which already means they're at a disadvantage because it means the lightning are going to do it. And I'm thinking the abs could do it. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yep. I feel, I feel like we're, we're having the same thought process here. I'm just, we are, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking at it out loud. Yeah. I mean, the, the realist in me is telling me that the lightning should win this series. And the fact that I'm giving it to seven games, I think kind of hurts the realist in me, but is something that the fanatic in me wants to see. And I think that, there's a there's a happy medium. There's a, a a treaty made at game seven, and but I think I think the Lightning take the series in seven. I, I think okay. I don't know. Okay. Um. What about you? What are you thinking? My X factor is Vasilevsky. Ooh. I'm I'm on I'm on the same mindset. The other end of the ice. Okay. I saw a stat today talking about Vasilevsky in his last eight clinching series games. In his, in his last eight games to clinch a series, his gold al- goals allowed average is 0.25. That is unheard of. I I can't I can't exp- if you're a numbers person, if you love stats, if you love like all the the crazy numbers in baseball, you know, on any given Tuesday afternoon when it's 75 degrees, he hits a home run at 305 every day. Whatever the whatever the stats that you love are, that stat is one of the most mind-boggling things I have ever heard in my lifetime. 8 games and this dude has a 0.25 goals allowed average. Out of those eight series clinching games, he has six shutouts. He has six shutouts. Are you kidding me? 
you put that dude in a position to win and your team is going to win. And for that reason, against my own better judgment, against anything that I want to see happen, I'll tell you right now, I am pulling for the abs. I want to see them sweep 4-0. I want to see them win in seven. I don't care. I don't care what it, I don't care what it is. I want the abs to win. Wow. Final and true. My prediction is lightning at six. Wow. I think the lightning steal one home game from the avalanche. I think they yep. are solid and sound at home. I don't think they lose from there. That is my prediction. Sorry, coach. I, yep. Sorry, coach. Yep. Speaking of coach Springer, I Boys. think, I, th- I think anytime is, uh, anytime now time, every time. Any time is now time. Better time All the time. than Every now time. Pitter, pitter patter. <laughs> pitter patter. Let's get out of base, baby. Well, we uh, we hope you boys enjoy our unbelievable interview with Coach, and it's amazing. We we we'd again love to hear feedback on it. Let a, let us know who else you want to hear. Um, whether it's in our lives, anybody we talked about in in the interview or whether it's you know people you know of that that might have some good perspective that that has some some pull in the game we'd love to hear it so without any further ado let's get to it but before that we'll get to a couple sponsors here Ladies and gentlemen, a man just awarded the top 40 under 40 civil litigation attorneys by the National Trial Lawyer, Trial Lawyers, whoops, a million dollar advocate, consultant to the NCRHA. For those of you that haven't listened to our pod before, that is the uh, National Collegiate Roller Hockey Association, the former head coach of the beloved Kansas State Roller Cats, associate attorney at Patterson Legal Group, and top two in losses as a goaltender in Roller Cats history. And let me tell you, folks, he ain't number two, Coleman J. Younger. I might have made that last stat up. Welcome him to the pod. Well, it's uh, it's good to be here. Good to, really good to see you guys again. Really, really good yeah. to see you guys again. Um, I don't know if that yeah, last no stat was true, but I don't have the numbers to disprove it. <laughs> so we're going to roll with it. I guess we're going to have to run with it then. As, as, as we used to say, hey, we're going to just roll cats on that one. Roll cats, baby. I mean, let's be honest. They're all probably fake stats anyway. Well, I mean, where are we going to find them? Yeah, they're nowhere. <laughs> they're nowhere. I, it's a Fugazi. I, I see you guys also played in the Great Plains Conference where the stats are just, uh, they just, they just kind of show up. Now, yeah, they're there. Here, here's a stat you guys don't know. Um, I still hold the record for most saves in a game for the roller cats. Uh, coach, I, I will let you know that we do know that because every time that I would uh, brag to you while you were coaching us about uh, doubling, tripling, I think quadrupling at one point, the amount of shutouts you ever had, that was always your response. Uh, it was uh, that you, you do now and likely will forever hold the record for most saves in a single game. What was that number again? Uh, that's a great question, Dom. I gave up 13 goals. <laughs> in that game that that was back when we had the mercy rule so we played 26 minutes of hockey <laughs> i gave up 13 goals in 26 minutes in a game that i saw a total of 82 shots wow which means that i had ready are you ready mm-hmm. is it 69 69 <laughs> yes. 69 nice nice uh, that's that's funny um 
that's incredible. I mean, it doesn't matter how you look at it, whether it's today's game, back in the day, 69 saves in one game is unbelievable. What did, uh, it is. What did I think it was Igor in the triple overtime against the Penguins. He had something close to that. He had like 68 or something, like, or maybe it was like 70s, but he had just a crazy amount of shots. Goes to show you that, you know, sometimes you might be the best player out there and you're not going to get the win. I remember watching that game because I wanted to reach through the television and strangle Eddie Olchuk when he was like, I just think overtime games go too long. No one wants to watch this much hockey. And even everyone else on that broadcast was like, bruh. Bruh. (laughs) Yeah. Wrong. I don't know a single hockey fan that has ever complained about too many overtimes in the playoffs. No kidding. I I listened to you guys' podcast. I, I don't remember if it was a week or two ago where you said that playoff hockey is the best playoffs on earth, period. Yeah. And that is a strong, strong agree. Every other sport combined has two instances of an eight seed beating a one seed. We've got four in the NHL alone. Most, I think, what, three of them in the last 20 years, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. a lot of upsets. The, the I mean, and, and it, the intensity is crazy. And at the end of the day, like, um, it, it, the format really allows for anybody to win. You, you know, you don't you don't have to be that one seed and, and get the easiest route. You can be the eight seed and still make it all the way. Mm-hmm. So, and like I've said before, it's like it's like the NCAA college basketball March Madness tournament, right? And the sense that every game is very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. What makes it even better is that it's to a best of seven series, and still for the most part, those best of seven series are also extremely unpredictable and hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's what makes it so fun to watch. Absolutely. You never know what you're going to get in it in any given game. You know, that's, that's right. Well, I so. guess while we're on the, uh, the topic of roller, ho- roller hockey, um, coach, do you hate roller hockey as much as Springer and I do? I don't, but here's <laughs> why I grew up in Frankfurt, Kansas population. I like to say was a thousand on a good day. And we haven't had a good day in about 20, 25 years. There's no ice. Our, our nearest, I don't even know if it's year round ice in Lincoln. Um, but our closest regular ice was in Manhattan. And I know that you guys skated on that nasty square that they had in the city park in Manhattan, no availability for hockey. All that I had growing up, the only choice that I had was to put on rollerblades. Um, here's a story that nobody really knows, actually. When I was a kid, I mean, like seven, eight, nine, something like that, the first times that I got together with my friends and we played hockey, nobody had goalie gear. Nobody had any of that stuff, but and I'm sure we'll get into this later. A lot of the reason that my hockey and interest peaked is because of my cousin playing goalie for the Mighty Ducks. Um, I wanted to be a goalie. I wanted to be like him. He's 13 years older than me. He was a real role model for me at the time. Honestly, still is in a lot of ways. I got rubber bands and pillows and rubber banded those to my legs, got some catcher gear, like the mask and, and the chest protector and all that. And that's, that's what we did. I mean, out in my neighbor's driveway with a trash can. And that's how we played. That was the 
that was the only choice I had growing up. That was it. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta make do with what you got. Right. That, um, yeah. that's crazy. That actually brings up a, a story from my childhood as well. Uh, not quite as crazy. Cause you know, we, we did, we did have some ice in Kansas city, but it was right about the time that I was starting to, uh, want, you know, want to get into goaltending and kind of trying to try that out. And I didn't have any pads yet, but I wanted to kind of work on my glove and blocker. And so my grandma from Minnesota was down for a weekend and we had this couch that had like these lines on the back that were all even. And so I was like, okay, these four bricks are the goal. And I gave her a bean bag and I put on an oven mitt. Uh, an oven mitt is my blocker and a cat and a, a catcher's glove, like baseball catcher's glove as my glove. And for hours, she sat there and just threw the ball at me. And she like, to this day, she says that thinking about it makes her knees hurt because she just sat there and just threw and just threw. And, just threw. <laughs> and I was like, hours, literally hours on end. And I was like, no, 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 a couple more, a couple more, a couple more. And, and stuff like that, you know, that you never forget where you, you make shift pads and you sit there for God knows how long and just keep taking shots, taking shots. Um, I love that. That's yeah. awesome. That's such a, well, it's such funny. A kind of brings it up actually, you know, hearing both y'all stories, something that I honestly totally forgot until just now, um, kind of a similar story, but you know how, um, like with throw pillows, you know how they have kind of those little inserts. So you have to like fold the pillow all funky to like, you know, get it all, you know, put together or whatnot. Right. So I remember we used to have some of those and I remember one of my first ever hockey sticks was actually a goalie stick and coach you obviously both of y'all know my story with being a goaltender it wasn't really anything that I ever thought about until coach you mentioned it but looking back it's funny because I remember I would put my feet into those throw pillows and I would use this goalie stick that was like one of my first ever hockey sticks ever and it was like a cheap like roller hockey goalie stick and I remember my brother would you know shoot a uh just a roller ball at me and I would try and block it with those throw pillows on my knees and that, uh, <laughs> that cheap plastic uh, goalie stick. But I don't know. It's yeah. It's kind of funny how, I mean, for the most, the most part, all three of us come from very untraditional kind of hockey markets and untraditional right. hockey stories. And I think that that's kind of the big reason why we wanted to kind of do this podcast in the first place and why obviously coach, we thought it was a great idea to bring you on as kind of a first guest is just because there's, there's so many stories. I feel like you hear, especially within traditional media and traditional podcasts is guys come on for interviews and they kind of take the traditional route there. You know, they're guys from Minnesota, they're from Michigan, they're from, you know, anywhere in Canada. And they kind of just basically, you know, wake up and, or, you know, are born with a hockey stick in their hand and they're learning how to skate before they can walk. And I feel like for us, it was very different because it wasn't something that was well regarded or well known within the community. So I don't know. I think it's, it's interesting just no, having these different stories. So. Uh, I, th I think it also shows, you know, like just when there's a will, there's a way, you know, or if, if, if you care enough to play the game, you're, you're going to figure out a way to play the game, even if it's, <laughs> you know, 
with rubber bands and, and a pillow or with yeah. with an oven mitt or you know whatever it is you're gonna find a way so i think that coach that's awesome that's such a kick-ass story um yeah i, I never want you guys to ever imagine that any of those games were five on five <laughs> it it was two on two at best usually it was hey you want to take this plastic rawlings brand stick that we stole from the grade school out onto my neighbor's driveway who's uh I would learn 20 years later, real pissed that there's still dents in his garage door. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> that, that's going to be our backstop if you miss the trash can, which we did most of the time. Yeah, like it, I probably ever shot. Yeah, I, I think that that breeds so much more passion for the game to, to grow it organically like that than popping out of the womb and going straight into a pair of skates. Right, right. Yep. I agree, yeah. It's, there, there's so, something to be said about trying to you know play a game when it's exponentially harder in one area versus another like like you said it breeds that passion definitely so obviously coach with you being from western kansas i would imagine well i already know for a fact that you are an avs fan so with the avs being in the cup how do you feel and also second part to this question i guess as well is were did they play any sort of integral role in your upbringing and your love for the game and knowledge of the game as a whole? Yeah, um, very, very good questions. So I grew up, I'm actually originally from Frankfort, Kansas, which is about 40 miles north of Manhattan, where K-State's at. Um, so, so I'm from technically eastern Kansas. I know people like Dom who are from the Kansas City area consider everything west of, uh, I'm going to say Topeka. west of Gardner. Oh, I was oh, going to yeah. say Topeka. <laughs> You're being generous. <laughs> um, to be western Kansas. And th- there were two things that really, really got me into it. Um, like I said, number one, my cousin, he graduated from high school in 1995, uh, St. Louis Park in Minnesota. And he was undrafted, but he was signed roughly 30 seconds after the draft ended by the Mighty Ducks. And that same summer was the year that the Avalanche moved from Quebec to Colorado. Um, My family is all from the state of Colorado. Both of my parents grew up there. They met there. They moved to Kansas roughly three months before I was born. So I came up with a lot of Colorado influences, going there all the time to see family, just and, you know, I'd, I would go out in the garage to help my dad do stuff. And there's boxes labeled, you know, always buy Colorado produce that they used to, to move with. To, just always being around it and around the culture from it, uh, being with my family. So combine my cousin being a mighty duck and just, I mean, honestly, the pride that my family had with having a pro athlete in the family. With the Avs then going and winning that cup in 96, that was a really, really big deal. I remember sitting in my grandma's kitchen in June of 96 in Brighton, Colorado, which is like, it wasn't part of the Denver Metro at the time. Anybody from Brighton who will hear this will be offended when I say it, but it's part of Denver. Like it's part of the Denver Metro now. Sorry, like you lose. It's part of the city. But but just sitting there and watching that cup at that young age, those two things really, really are what got me into the sport initially. I'll have to try and find it someday. But from the summer of, I want to say 96 or 97, something like that, 
there's a photograph taken in my parents' front yard with three people in it. My cousin who was still in the Ducks Farm system at the time, some dude that I'll never care who he is, and new Mighty Ducks draft pick, Timu Solani. Just chilling in Frankfurt, Kansas, doing hood rat stuff. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's um, pretty kick-ass. That is unbelievable. So stuff like that is, is what really got me into the game. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I got to, I got to ask, you know, so now, sorry, Springer, go ahead. No, you go. You got it. I was just going to say abs, obviously number one team. I'm assuming ducks are probably number two, maybe close. If they're not, what is your second favorite team and like kind of how did you come? Because I know everybody kind of has a, you know, a, a ranking tier system of their favorite teams. So like if you're not here for the apps, who's, who's your next favorite team to, to root for? And let's exclude the Ducks since I'm assuming that's probably high on the list as well. Ah, that is number two on the list. You're going to make this hard. Hockey <laughs> is one of those sports that is so segmented. And I think that that's been a lot of the problem with it catching on with TV ratings and stuff like that. Because And there is data and statistics out there to show it. No other sport is as regionalized as hockey. If you've got the ABC game of the week and it's the Kraken and the Kings, odds are extremely low that somebody in New York City is going to be like, oh, there's a hockey game on. We're going to watch this. They're just going to be like, oh, it's not the Rangers. Like, I don't give a shit. And they're going to turn it off. Well, and on Um, top of that, it starts at 10 o'clock their time, too. So that's kind of tough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a valid point. Um, I do want to say something really, really quick. Um, I spent about three or four years on the radio. This is not the first podcast that I've done also. Um, But there's something that I've never been able to say either on air, on the radio, or on any of those other podcasts. Do you mind if I say it here real quick? Please do. I don't see any problem. All right. Fuck. (laughs) Let him out, coach. Let him out. Never never got to get that one out on the air before. Well, hey, you guys... Here it is. You guys have listened to me on the bench. It's one of my favorite words. It is. <laughs> it is. So I'm, I'm thankful we got that out there. Um, it is. But yeah. Oh, if I have to rank them, I, I kind of lean a little bit Canadian with some of them also as well, as far as that fandom goes. Um, I really like watching the Jets, not because they're good, because they're not, but because I think that it's really uncool that Winnipeg had their team ripped away from them and sent to Phoenix, Arizona. Much as I love the Avs, I think it's kind of uncool that a team got ripped away from Quebec City and, you know, taken away from there. So when Winnipeg got their team back, I thought that was really neat. I find them really easy to cheer for. If Quebec City gets another expansion team, which I hope that they do, um, they'll be really easy to cheer for. It's easy to pull for those teams up north. I, I used to find it okay to to pull for the Kraken every once in a while. Those jerseys are sick. And I like what they did to put their team together. But as soon as I found out that Springer's transformed into a Kraken fan, moved south from Calgary, I don't know anymore. Okay. All right. So <laughs> hang on. So hang on. I, I just I have to point out Springer has officially multiple times on the podcast this year denounced himself as a Flames fan. He can, he can no longer classify as a Flames fan, which is why I don't know I don't know how many episodes you listened to during the playoffs, Coach, but uh, I loved to give him shit about how well the Flames were doing when they were doing well. Uh, it was hilarious. Sorry, I just had to get that in there. I, I love rubbing it just a little deeper every time. 
uh, okay. Springer and I talked. I, I, all right. I listened and Springer, I respect it. I respect you standing strong and standing by. Even I do. I didn't really I give do. you a choice. No, like, I no, I didn't. I did kind of say, I did kind of put him on the spot. Uh, you got to pick one. <laughs> well, okay. So you, you did absolutely. But I, I, I had already kind of had my mind made up and coach, I don't know if you've actually heard this, but so the first ever Kraken preseason game. So the first time the whole team was together in, you know, a, an on ice game situation, their first ever preseason game was, in Spokane and my, the company that I work for, the company that I work for is a uh, sponsor of the arena that the game was uh, held in. So I was able to beg, borrow and steal uh, to get two tickets to that first ever preseason game. And when I tell you that that was a borderline religious experience for me, uh, would be an understatement because I, I had had already made my mind, you know, I'd already had my mind made up. I was one of the first like 25,000 followers on NHL to Seattle before they even released their name. I watched live when they announced their team name as the Seattle Kraken, which I was still kind of pissed about, but, um, (laughs) but then you saw the jerseys and you were like, okay, I can, I can, I I, I can roll with this. (laughs) I saw the jerseys. I saw the logo and Dom, you, I I told you this because you, you texted me about it literally that day. And I said, dude, it looks like a major league gaming logo. Yeah, no, it it literally (laughs) does. And well, what's crazy is how much it's taken off. Like, I, I I think there was a little bit of purpose on that because you look at how big and how like, much COVID shifted the gaming industry, it blew up. Like I I never in my life probably would have heard of Twitch and Discord and, you know, like professional gamers like Ninja and Tim the Tatman and all these guys. Like I probably would have never heard of them had COVID not happened and everybody wasn't sitting in their houses with nothing to do. That's true. Um, And so I think that actually helped the Kraken's branding because it, it almost pulled them with this logo that was similar to this, this gaming industry that was taken off big. So I, yeah. I know, I know what you mean. And we talked about that, but I, I do think there was a reason for that. And I think it helped a shit ton for sure. And it's sick, but it definitely is. got off the rails. That was my, that was my reason as to why I officially denounced the flames as my number one team and decided full fledged, just to go with the crack. And I think out of 82 game season, I think I probably watched about 70 of the games this year. That's how diehard I've become with the Kraken. And if, yeah, so that's fantastic. And and what we said about hockey being so regionalized, honestly, all you had to say was I live in Washington state now, and (laughs) that's pretty justifiable. It's not like you, you know, born and raised in Calgary, Alberta, and your dad worked in the oil fields and your mom worked at the saddle dome. Like, right. It, 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 you live in Washington state. That is mm-hmm. more than enough reason. And you, you clearly, you're not just a fair weather fan. Number one, it's the Kraken and they sucked this season. Um, well. but it, it, it's, you're doing it for the right reasons. Oh, right. 100%. I just, I just love hope. to find a reason to get Springer some shit every here and there, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> the point. I mean, that's why I'm that's, here. That's hockey players for you. That's, uh, yeah, that's why I pay for therapy. If you're not chirping, if you're not chirping, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right, um, coach. That's, that's what you told us. 
on the bench, you know, in the locker room before games. I did. Lauren chirping I did. Well, one of my favorite chirps was Cam that game against Lindenwood that we were losing by a whole lot. And they would not stop talking, which if anyone listening wants to go to Lindenwood University, that is a degree that will take you all around the world from East St. Louis to O'Fallon, Missouri, and no further. <laughs> That's a great okay. reason to go there. I got I to say, I got to say, I have some buddies that played ice at Lindenwood and they had a great program. They were good. They were great guys. I love them. However, I will say uh, their, their roller team at Lindenwood, uh, it was probably because we lost to them so badly every year. Um, but they were just kind of, kind of douchebags. And it just, it wasn't, it, it became not fun to play against them come junior year, senior year, because they just, they, they were good and they beat up on you and that's fine. But, but you can be good and, and not be an ass to the team that you're playing. And, and they, they didn't have that discrepancy. And that's where I think they made a lot of enemies. Um, not just with us. Cause I, I, I promise you, the Roller Cats are, are not a one-off team that doesn't like Lindenwood. If you talk to anybody in roller hockey, that is a uh, league-wide standing. Yes. As a consultant to the NCRA chain now, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Coach. Le- legally, he is pleading the fifth. So, I should okay, probably but- take back what I said earlier. No, no, that, I, I won't take back what I said earlier strictly because I don't think you'll find a single person who says, I'm attending Lindenwood University to get a quality degree. No, it's, and, and, it's and a, yeah. I think it's a lot of just it's a it's a sport based university. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I am mm-hmm. all about that. It's a great no, place there's nothing to wrong go with play. It. It's a great place to go play. You're gonna get a good degree. Like you're gonna it's gonna be great. It's just um some of the egos that walk into there forget that they're in Lindenwood, Missouri. But, <laughs> yes, but let's yes, not forget. But, let's not forget here. They're going D one now. They're they going are going D1. NCAA, this, is, D1. this is something that we have not coach. talked about yet. Coach. And yeah. we can actually get your thoughts on this, Coach. Yes, Coach. What please. do you think? I think, first off, I'm going to finish my story about my favorite shirt. Yes, please heard. do. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Cam Costinen, our favorite Canadian, when they scored like goal number 11 in a game where we did not have anywhere near 11. And they're just talking mad shit on their way back towards the faceoff circle. When the one dude skates by him and Cam just completely unprompted goes, boy, you guys sure must practice hockey a lot. <laughs> which, <laughs> which for, if, if you know Cam, if you're listening and you know Cam, it's, that it's, is 100% it's on, on par. par. It's on par. 100%. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and just the way that it threw the kid back. Like, he didn't know what to say to that. What, what do you say to that chirp? Like, yeah? Yeah, I guess. You got me. <laughs> ah, I, mean, uh-huh. I, mean, I mean, or, or you say, no, nah, we're just that good. And then you sound even douchier than you did before. Yeah, well, <laughs> or you say, yeah, we're on, we're on scholarship to play roller hockey. Yeah, that's a, that's a stellar yeah. chirp. That's, that, yeah. that really is great. It's like, what, what are you going to say to that? You can't. Exactly. I, I will... Cam, if you ever hear this, your genius is above yourself. And I have always respected that <laughs> about that guy. Uh, yeah. Listen to leak to Cam. Oh, yeah. He'll get it. He'll get it for oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's ring it, ring it back, back in here. Um, okay. So oh. we mentioned the, we mentioned the ads a little bit. Well, no, no, no. 
D1, coach. D1. Oh, D1. That's right. That's right. Sorry. I was going to bring it even back before that. Yes. Let's talk D1 and then then we'll bring it back to the ass for a second. Sure. I don't think it's going to make a whole lot of difference. Um, I don't know if you two are aware of this, but the Great Plains Conference has dissolved in the NCRHA. It was only only a matter of time. People were so freaking fed up with them. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't things weren't being taken care of that needed to be taken care of. That's part of why I've taken on this consultant role with the NCRHA. I have been a part of the Great Plains Conference and teams in the Great Plains for 15 years now. Mm. Um, So I can provide a lot of good insight and and I'm doing all I can to provide insight to the NCRHA on what can be done to make it better and what can be done to make it feel more like the other conferences across the country. If you go to the websites for, with the exception of the Rocky Mountain, and that's only because they're in this weird limbo situation where they have to be affiliates. Um, if you go to the websites for any of the other conferences across the country, you get the photos, you get the write-ups, you get the articles, you get accurate stats. It, it's a very legitimate, real thing. And that's what's been missing from the Great Plains. And I think this is a wonderful opportunity to not only make the players feel like they're part of something very, very special, because they are, they absolutely are. Uh, but it's an opportunity to grow the sport in some of the biggest hotbeds in the country, especially Missouri, where, you know, it's a real high school sport and even reach out a little bit to Colorado, where again, it's a real high school sport there as well uh, to make the NCRHA seem a lot more legitimate, feel a lot more legitimate because it is. I think that that move to D1 for Lindenwood where roller hockey has been such a big thing. And they've also thrived with other club sports. They've won rugby national championships in club levels um their cheer teams are fantastic both at the varsity and at the club levels they like you said they they really put an emphasis on what happens athletically and not as much academically and that's okay that's perfectly okay so i don't think this move is going to impact that a whole lot unless the ncrha follows along with some of the things that have been discussed and i don't know if i'm supposed to discuss this but i'm going to as far as also implementing rules on recruiting, rules on transfers. And Lindenwood won a D1 national championship this year with Bethel's team. They stole the best players, best players from Bethel, and they won their first natty in like 11, 12 years. Weird. Weird how that works. Interesting. So just the thought, and, and this is good for the entire sport. I'm not saying that it's focused just on these schools because it's not. Um, But the idea of implementing some recruiting limits so that some of that talent gets spread around outside of the three or four big schools where they're at is a big emphasis. And just doing what can be done, number one, to grow the game, and number two, to keep a lot more teams competitive against each other. I like it. I like it. Um, So... I guess guess this is a good, good part to transition kind of into not just NCRHA, but NCAA in general. Um, and, and I know we talked, Springer and I, like episode maybe two or three, real early on, talked about what it would be like to bring hockey to the Big 12. Do you see that ever being a goal? And do you see it ever happening? Yes, I do. And now that... You have programs like Arizona State who are in non-traditional hockey markets that have really taken off. Mm -hmm. 
And you also have some extremely competitive ice club teams in the Big 12. KU, they were down a little bit this last year, this last couple of years, but they've had phenomenal ice hockey clubs before. West Virginia. Iowa State. Texas yeah, Tech. West Virginia. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The, the schools are there. The support is there. And I, 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 I want to stop you there real quick. You said the support is there. Elaborate on that a little bit. Because, you know, I think, I think coming from K-State, specifically hockey doesn't get talked about a lick so it's it's hard for me to understand the support is there you know when we're not behind the scenes seeing that so how in what sense is the support there it's there because the acha is nothing like any other club sport in the united states mm-hmm. not even close where you have ncaa teams regularly scheduling acha teams and obviously vice versa where you have you have to have resources to put an ice hockey team out there. You can't, K-State had an ice hockey club that dissolved not that long before I got there, who was driving to Kansas City two, three times a week. That, Dom, you know how long that drive is. Yeah, I'm out on that one. Yeah, just to I, I would, Like to, to Lawrence maybe, or like to Junction City maybe, but like, I mean, outside of 45 minutes of a drive to practice, I'm sure shit not going two hours just to get there and then get, you know, you're slotted at the 10 o'clock practice because the, nobody, had, nobody had any other times. And so then you're done practicing at 1130. By the time you get out of there, it's midnight. You're driving home. You get back at 2 a.m. Absolutely not. There's just I mean, no the way. wheels, the wheels on our bus would have fallen off uh, there, years ago. <laughs> yeah, Making that quite drive. literally with, with that bus, that is. A very literal statement, <laughs> but uh, with, with those locations like Lubbock, like they're in West Virginia in that area, um, Morgantown, in Ames, in areas that are bigger, I'm not necessarily going to say bigger hockey markets, because I mean, when you think Lubbock, you don't think hockey. But they're bigger towns. Exactly. The, the reality of the situation is they're bigger locations and anywhere, it doesn't matter what it is. If you put together a sports program that is winning, you are going to get attention. It can be tiddlywinks. And if the Garden City Community College Tiddlywinks Club is suddenly crushing everybody in their path, you're going to have 500 people showing up at a game to watch us chip winks. I don't, I don't know what it's called. I, do I don't it. even know how, how that works. But you say that. It's a great point because you look at K-State and what do we win national championships in every year? Crop judging. Crop Why judging. do I know that? Because right, yes. we're good Let's at it go. and I follow it. <laughs> exactly. You don't, you don't who, who gets on Twitter and says, hmm, I don't follow K-State crop judging and goes to follow them. It always goes the other way around. It's, oh, damn, they won a national championship in crop judging. I want to learn more about this. I want to see what they're doing. And that's a good bass point. fishing. I hear all the time about K-State's bass fishing program that's won two yeah. national titles. Yep, my brother. And, yep, yeah, Austin's brother. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. It, yep. Success brings attention. It doesn't matter what you are doing, and that lesson applies to life. Success brings attention. Here, here, everybody was thinking this was just a hockey podcast, but we've actually got Coach dishing out life advice here. Uh, yeah, so, this is I mean, now a. This is now a bass fishing and diddlywinks <laughs> podcast as well. So <laughs> that's right. The, the idea, the idea that coaching does not involve 
life advice is it, it it's poor coaching. <laughs> and, and I didn't get, I mean, part of the reason I got into coaching was to help the program and, and help it thrive. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it was to help impact you guys yeah. and, and well, help do some things, keep some people on the right tracks and, and just help you do positive things with your lives. That's a bigger part of it than being out on the rink would ever be. Well, yeah. and that actually brings up a, a great question that we were actually going to ask you is um, what is exactly with all that in mind, what exactly is your favorite memory of coaching us? And it doesn't even have to be us. Let's, let's broaden it a little bit. Let's say your favorite memory of coaching period. Although I'm sure it probably includes yeah. us because obviously we were your favorite team to coach. Um, so. It does. It does. <laughs> um, wow. That is a really, really good question. And there's a lot of things that I enjoyed. I took a lot of satisfaction out of winning those conference championships, uh, winning those conference tournaments. The years that we would keep losing one goal games against Missouri and then stomping them by like 20, that one game to win that conference title. But that was really nice. But honestly, the thing that is my favorite memory from it, I say like I'm done coaching. I'm far, far from done coaching. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but, but my favorite memory of coaching with you guys is the Mizzou game. In the preseason tournament, I don't think either one of you guys were there, actually. I think it was my first year. We lost in triple overtime to Mizzou. But that was the most exciting hockey game I have seen in person, bar none. And second place is not close. And what I liked the most about it is nobody even came. There was never a thought of losing. There was never a thought of giving up. There was never a thought of we're here not to lose. It was the most competitive thing I have ever seen in my life happening right in front of my eyes. It was hard to stand on that bench and keep coaching and not just get completely wrapped up in it and just watch what was happening. But with what was happening, I didn't have to do that much coaching with it either. I got to sit back and let the guys roll the lines were running themselves dudes were out there sprinting their asses off and coming off when they were done and somebody was there to take their place whether they were ready to go out or not they were out there dead ass sprinting when it was their turn we had to take a little break in the second overtime so our goalie could throw up <laughs> and he kept playing through that and playing into another one uh, that that's what really stood out and who who, right who was the attendee at the time was it steiner yeah. Nope. 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 Was it? Was nope, it? Uh, was it was me. Jr. Jr. Okay. Okay. Jr. 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 Played that game, and Jr. Played lights out that game. Let's go. That's sick. Out of boy. That's such a cool out of boy memory. I mean, there's there's something about like seeing the intensity of a game like that in person, whether you're playing it, whether you're you're a spectator, whether you're coaching it. Something about being there in that environment in person is unfathomable. Like there regardless, is nothing like it, regardless, win or lose. Regardless like, of the level, too. No, yes. regardless and of the level. I yes. Could, I could be watching 12 year olds, 12 year olds out there that are busting their ass every single play. We got a we got an overtime game, and you can tell these kids are leaving it all out there. And that is when the game is so much fun. And I think that's why 
again, going back to what we said about the playoffs in the NHL, Stanley Cup playoffs, that is why I think that is hands down, above and beyond, by far, the best playoffs in sports history because mm-hmm. you literally watch these guys for what's the what's the longest overtime in the playoff history? Is it seven? I think it's seven. eight. I think it. Oh, oh was it eight? It, it eight? might be eight. It might be eight. Seven or eight, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. We, we're, we're not we're not a big fact checking podcast here, Coach. Nope. We just nope. We yell it out, and if people tell us we're wrong, then okay, cool, I'm, we're wrong. I'm um, a lawyer, not a factor. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But you know, like there's some, there's something to be said about seeing that in person. And like, you almost can feel the passion in the air when, when those guys are out there every single shift and it's just amazing to watch. So that's awesome. That's, that's kick-ass. And to your point, what you really see in the playoffs and in those situations in the NHL with the 12 year olds at any level is the guys who elevate and something that I always saw as a coach I didn't necessarily want my four most talented people out there on the rink. Roller hockey is four, by the way, for those of you listening who are unfamiliar. Um, But I wouldn't always want my four best skill guys, my four best players out there. When it got to crunch time, you're able to tell by how dudes practice, by how guys go out there and, and just work, who is able to elevate, who's not afraid of that moment. And what stands out for me, is that Sweet 16 game against Endicott College up in Fargo that year at Nationals when we were down by two with about three minutes left, something like that. And I looked down at Evan on the bench, and all I said was, Evan, let's be done. And I sent him out, and he scored two slap shot goals from roughly the blue line, 38 yes. seconds he apart. ripped those things. Wow. They were lasers. Wow. When I said we're done and he just nodded and went out for his shift, that was it. He knew the moment, he recognized what needed to be done, and he elevated his game. He wasn't selfish about it. He waited to get the puck at the right time. The right time was 38 seconds apart, but he waited for his turn and he took it. Yeah. You cannot take somebody else's turn from them, but when it is your turn, by God, you have to take it. I love that. I love that. That's incredible. That is incredible. Okay. So this actually makes me think of a question that we hadn't talked about earlier. Uh, And Springer, if you need a minute to come up with something, because I just thought of one. Springer and I. Dude, let's let her buck. What is our favorite memory? And we'll see what coach remembers from it. Uh, If you need a minute, I've got mine. Well, I mean, my favorite memory I, I've discussed on the podcast before. Um, Coach, I don't know if this is something you'll remember, but this was this was just some random weekend tourney in St. Louis. Um, we were we were in the locker room. We were about to play, and I don't know who was DJ for that game or for that weekend or whatever, but somebody decided to just throw on just a random mix of songs and the song drops of Jupiter came on. And for whatever reason, everybody was just absolutely feeling it. And we were screaming at the top of our lungs to drops of Jupiter by train. And I'm pretty sure that the Schulte's mom or somebody had to come into the locker room and say, Hey, can y'all like tone it down a little bit? They can hear y'all from like outside, like on the rink. 
Do you remember that? Yeah, that was Queenie. It was that Queenie. That was, was Queenie. That's right. Yep. And I remember that. I remember that because I looked over at some dude. Uh, Queenie Park, for those of you that are unfamiliar, has three normal-ish hockey walls and then a fourth one that is completely plexiglass top to bottom. It's actually really, really cool. And I love that about it. But that's why you guys would get ready. You know, that's where I go stand and watch the games and just wait. And we absolutely sure as shit heard you guys there in that locker room. And I just looked over at the dude next to me cheering for whatever team his kid played for, whatever he picked the wrong school. It's fine. And I was just like, yeah, it's my guys. <laughs> that's awesome. It's my boys. Oh, that's, that's seriously one of the coolest memories ever. Oh, I, I very electric. much remember that. Electric. That was my um, favorite. Coach, do you remember my first start in net? I can, a, I, can, I can jog your memory if you need it. Yeah, I'm listening. It was in Bethel. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I do. I sure do. I <laughs> sure do. So, for those of you that don't know, I'll, I'll give a little background, and then I'll let Coach run with whatever he remembers of the story. But um, I – so, I mean, obviously, been attending my whole life. Uh, stopped playing hockey freshman year, like going into freshman year of high school, I believe it was. Maybe it was closer to eighth grade, whatever it was. Did play for four years, got to college. Uh, one, of, one of the attendees that I looked up to playing in Kansas City my entire life, Nick Steiner, shout out him. Kid's an absolute animal. Stand uh, Love that guy. And he was in the fraternity that I was joining, and he was like, oh, yeah, there's a, there's a roller hockey team. And uh, I play on it, and it's, it's fun. We travel, you know, twice a month for a couple months out of the season. Typically just go to St. Louis. We got a bus, everybody rides, come, come out for a practice or two. So I go out and I'm skating out. So I'm playing forward and I'm, <laughs> I mean, Springer, you, you could touch on this. You, you watched me skate out for a little bit. I mean, God, my hands are awful, dude. I can't, <laughs> I can't dangle or stick handle or shit. It's, it's embarrassing. Um, I mean, your hands aren't that bad. I mean, compared to mine, they were, I, I mean, they were decent. And I'm sure I, coach can definitely touch on that, but I, I mean, mean, I just, I remember looking was, at all these other guys, like, like the Schulte twins or not twins, sorry, the Schulte brothers who were, you know, yeah. just insane. And like, they had these nasty dangles and they were, you know, toe dragging 180 roofing it on Steiner. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, is this what roller hockey is? I'm going to get my shit rocked. And, um, so I show up, I, pl I play forward for a couple weeks. And then there was a weekend that Steiner couldn't make a tournament. And he was like, Hey, I, I can't go. Uh, he had just gotten elected vice president of our fraternity. And I was like, well, I can step in. I mean, do you mind if I borrow your pads? And he said, sure, man, go ahead. And uh, this was one of the few weekends that we were making the trip from Manhattan, Kansas down to Bethel, Tennessee. For those of you that don't know, that is a nine hour drive, unless you're on a bus that can only go five under the speed limit, in which case it's a 12 and a half hour drive. <laughs> well, if you have so, a lawyer driving <laughs> with the lawyer driving, <laughs> of course, I I will not go into details on why I refuse to speed on that bus, but it would have been a real long stop and we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Understandable. Hey, you know what? We got to and from where we were going every time safely. So I wasn't upset about it, but uh, we show up there. I, this is, I'm coming off of two practices and we're playing uh, at the time we're playing Bethel's D one team and we are a D two team, a mid tier D two team at best. You know, I mean, I think we ended up finishing, what did we finish eighth that season? 
in national. Yeah, like that. We, we were a top two D two team. Maybe, okay, we, we were maybe, absolutely maybe a we top were tier. We, we were up we, there. We, we absolutely were. But but the difference between D one and D two in roller hockey is so vast because like at Bethel, that's a varsity sport. Right. They're putting yeah. all the resources that you get for Ohio State football into nope. their roller hockey team. And at K-State, like most other schools across the country, it's the do to show up. Right. Be- Bethel yep. is, you are there on scholarship. You are, you are playing roller hockey for college. That is why you are at Bethel University. Mm. Same thing with Correct. Lincoln. Same thing with Lincoln. That, that yep. is, you, are, you are there to play roller hockey. That is, that is your sport. That is your scholarship. That's why you're there at college. So we go in and we're, play, we're playing the, uh, the D1 Bethel team being a – we'll say top top ish of the pack d2 team and uh i believe we lost by two that game with an empty netter mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i it was it was one of uh i don't know personally it was it was one of the best i've ever played i think roller wise coach i don't i don't know what you saw in that game but i i just know there was a lot of there that game likely i don't want to toot my own horn could have been a, a five, six, seven goal game easily. And I, I just I figured it out pretty quick. <laughs> you rose to the occasion, like I talked about earlier, you saw the situation and you said, this game is mine. And you took it over for a while. And keep in mind, at that time, I had no clue about your goaltending experience before i, <laughs> I, I just know, knew that i you didn't sh- i actually i didn't know this i didn't know that you didn't know i had goaltending experience i thought you did well that was when i was associate head coach i, I was the assistant at the time who was that running year. the team that was john the soccer coach that was john's year he was technically that was the john's head? year yeah hmm. yeah john was running the show that year he sure was. For, for a head was coach, soccer there, wasn't, there wasn't a lot of running, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> and regardless, um, all I knew when you showed up was that you wanted to skate out and we were going to put you on the, the D4 team, essentially the JV team, which watching you skate out, like you just Fine. said, was an appropriate fit. It was Absolutely. a very appropriate fit for you at the time. And watching you in net, like I said, I had no clue about your experience, that that, that had been your hockey life up to that point before you got to college and went to try something different. And so we're going through the handshake line after the game, after that, like you said, was essentially a one goal loss to at the time, the number three or four ranked team in the country. They were up there. One. And I shake hands with uh, Ryan Potts, the head coach there at Bethel, who very good friend of mine at this point, uh, but I hadn't really met him before that weekend. And we shake hands and he's like, that's a hell of a team you've got there and a hell of a attendee. And I said, yeah, that's my fourth stringer. <laughs> I mean, if only you saw your fifth stringer. <laughs> Springer. Oh man, he would have fifth fifth stringer Springer. Uh oh, might be fifth a new nickname. Springer. Yes. Oh <laughs> shit! Jesus! Wow. wow, that's pretty sweet. I didn't I didn't know about that in the uh, the handshake line. Well, shout out shout out Bethel's coach. Then that's uh. That's a hell of a compliment coming from a guy who scouts talent out to win national championships. So that's uh, mean, dude. nobody deserves a D one national championship more than Potsy. And I agreed. will stand by that until he Ag- gets it. Agreed. That man is, 
that's that is that is one of those things that has always made me love Bethel is they could beat us by 10, but they did it with respect. And yes. I, I think that all came from their head coach. And I think he was a guy who had a very level head on him. He never got too high on the high wins. He never got too low on, on the bad losses. And uh, it just, it made me respect the guy a whole hell of a lot. Well, let's be honest it, too. I think that to an extent, he also did a really good job of trying to recruit guys who also kind of felt that same way. Like yep. I always felt also, very comfortable. Also, yep. I felt very comfortable with other Bethel guys. They, all of them seemed super nice off the ice. And that's kind of the guys that you want in your locker room. And I well, think that that's what makes hockey so special is that, you know, you, you bring guys in who, who are going to create a fantastic locker room environment, but also be quote unquote hockey guys in the sense that they're willing to befriend anybody on any other team that they play against, you know? Dude, I, I, I sure still have some of the numbers of some of the Bethel guys. They would, they would kick our ass or, you know, we, maybe we were playing their D4 team and we'd beat them or it'd be a tight game. It didn't matter. We'd see each other outside the rink later that evening. And it was like, Hey, what's up, man? Like, where are you guys staying tonight? You, you want to go yeah. grab a beer or something? Like you want to hang out? Like they were always just such great guys. And I, I think, yeah, that's a huge testament to their coach and uh, the style of play that, that he ran at Bethel. I, I think that's a good point. He definitely deserves mm-hmm. a national championship. And well, I don't coach, know if, Oh, no, go no keep going, keep going, keep going. I, I don't know if it is so much. And I mean, like I said, this is after me having 15 years of involvement in college roller hockey to this day. I don't know if it's as much the kids who come into the system or what the system does with kids or a combination of the two. Right. But I, uh, two summers I was invited and I helped coach and work at the college prospect roller camp, which to this day, I don't understand why I was made as big a deal there as I was, but which I will never, ever, um, take for granted. It was run by Peter Dale, who has seven IHF roller hockey gold medals in international competition. It included Lindenwood's coach, Bethel's coach, uh, Arizona state's head coach, Michigan state's head coach, you know, the, Division one, like the top tier Division one team coaches, um, Jim Tamborino, who at the time was coached Team USA the years that I went, and me. Oh, and the dude who puts together the um, programs for off-season training for University of Alabama football, amongst other programs he works with, and me. I am grateful to have been there. I am grateful to be a part. I am hoping to go back when I get there again. Still to this day, do not know why I was one of those dudes who was reached out to that they were like, you have to be here. But very, very thankful for it. But seeing some of the kids who go to different schools when they were in high school, when they were being recruited in those processes. And I know that some of the kids that I recruited wound up at K-State this last year, which is huge to me without me being there. That's a really, really big deal. But they were sometimes really good kids at least to me they seem to have the right attitude they seem to have the right work ethic they seem to be out there with no ego and then uh, this isn't me saying anything bad about anywhere it's just we'll we'll just we'll just leave teams unnamed (laughs) but sure yeah they would go play for certain programs and i would just get reports back about them being absolute douche nozzles and then likewise I would see kids who 
didn't impress me as much with that part or seemed a little more laid back. Didn't seem like they were putting, you know, didn't seem like they could rise to that occasion, like I said. And then they would go to the Bethels, they would go to the Arizona States, and they coached them how to do that. They taught them how to rise. They they fit in those systems. And like I said, I still don't know if it's so much kids who are being taught different ways to do it, if it's really just magnifying what those natural energies were that a lot of these student athletes have. And I think to a point, both of those things are true. Both of those things are very, very true. And that's why if you're a high school student or somebody like that listening to this right now, find somebody that fits, find a school, a program, whatever that fits your energy that has that best vibe. I, I don't care if they have a shitty barn. I don't care if it seems like just a bunch of dudes who are getting together to play hockey because they think it's neato. Like if you fit that vibe, that's the school for you. Don't let anybody mess with that. I love because that. Because you will become the that. best version of yourself if you fit that right vibe. It's something that I took a lot of pride in with our program, a lot, a lot of pride with our program at K-State was the reason that we'd have so many really, really high peaks and really, really low valleys. My freshman year, I'm not afraid to say this out loud. My freshman year, um, I wound up being the starting goaltender as a walk-on because the guy who was supposed to be starting broke his foot like two weeks before the season started. And uh, Jerry came up to me, Coach Rumsbecker, who deserves a rink named after him, came up to me before that very first game. And he's like, hey, I know you're really nervous going against last year's national runner-up. And I was like, I did, I did not know that they were the national runner-up last year. <laughs> so you just said this. Thank you, just you said for this that. Right now. Thank you for Thanks, that. Coach. But glad you really emphasized that. And he's like, and I know you've never played a full-on competitive game of hockey. And I'm like, that is true. You know where I am from. You know, it was two on two at best. Like, this is fair. And he's like, but I believe in you. And I'm like, on the outside, I'm like, I appreciate that, coach. And on the inside, I was like, I no longer believe in myself. I don't know where this came from. You actually and, did the opposite by talking to me. Thank you very much. Yes, we, we got mercyed again. A mercy in college roller hockey at the time was a 10-goal game. We got mercyed in about two minutes into the second period, something like that. It was real rough. Um, oh. Those were the valleys for K-State hockey. Yeah. was my freshman year when we won one game by forfeit, and we played like two or three full games where we did not get mercyed before the end of them because we were a bunch of ragtag dudes who were like, I love this game. I've never played it competitively on any level, but hockey seems fun and I'm going to be dedicated. And he has said that he's surprised that the club didn't fold that year because we kept getting shit rolled every single game riding in. We didn't have a bus. We had a van that we rented from the school that we would take out there and we were scrunched in like sardines and you ride for that six hours and you get shit rolled and sleep in a La Quinta Inn that night and get shit rolled Sunday morning and come back to campus. Mm -hmm. But every, I don't remember anybody missing a practice that didn't say they were going to miss beforehand because we were all that dedicated. Nobody missed a single weekend of games that year. Not one person missed a single weekend of games. <clears throat> Do you hear we that Avery? That are you, are you listening Avery? <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, Avery. Right. I, I literally just talked to you <laughs> yesterday. Freaking A, Avery. How do you want it? I remember. But, <laughs> but yeah, that, that, was, that was that part with it. Those were the lows. And the highs were, I mean, that 2012 Final Four that the team went to. Um, but, but kind of what I'm getting to here, and one of the things that I'm proudest of with that program at Kansas State is you could go through the programs at Nationals and look at, like, Yeshiva University. Great program yeah. year in, year out. Look at the roster. Right. Queens, New York, Queens, New York, Queens, New York, Manhattan, New York, Queens, New York, Queens, New York, Queens, New York, Michigan State, East Lansing, Lansing, East Lansing, Detroit, like all local kids. And then like, I really remember looking at ours that year in Fargo and you've got Calgary, Alberta, Canada, Austin, Texas, Green Minnesota. Bay, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Kansas City, like you have kids from all over the country who came together and melded as a team. Yeah. And that's what I love about what we put together. Like I said, explains those high highs, explains those low lows. But man, if, if that's not one of the coolest things about it, I don't know what is. That's yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, it's, it's such a different perspective too, you know, like, cause as a player, you just kind of think to yourself, ah, oh, shit, I got to show up a couple times a week, travel on some weekends, play, play the best I can. And like, you know, leave it all out there every time I'm on the ice. But the, the things you don't think about as a player are where everybody's come from, you know, what type of a vibe are they going to fit in? And I think that's, that's some great perspective um, just kind of on, on coaching in general as it's it's not always about getting getting the best guys it's about getting the guys that fit best and i I think i think that uh couldn't be couldn't be a better way to say it so let's uh let's jump into one of our final two questions real quick uh okay we'll save the abs for for the for the end if both time and money weren't a factor which is obviously (laughs) impossible of course. What would you do to grow the game in your area the most? Um, and I guess we could talk your area. Like, if you want to talk Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Kansas, we could talk Frankfurt. If you want to talk Manhattan, Kansas, we could talk Manhattan. Uh, or if you want to talk just at a small sort of setting in general, we, we could talk that too. I'll, I'll let you kind of take that question however you want to. Sure. So right now I'm in Garden City, Kansas, which is the biggest city in the western half of the state, all 43,000 of us here. And I I can even talk about growing the game here because I left the Manhattan area entirely because this job offered me way more money with less time involved. So so I mean, those two things that you said don't count here, I'm going to count right in just to make it make sense with where I'm at. But this is, you would think this is such a hockey deathbed out here, honestly. Right. But it's, it's not. Do they, do, they the even know what to, ice, do they even know what ice is out there? So in Dodge City, they've got an event center that has ice for about like two or three months a year or something like that. That's, yeah, two, or three, that's, that. that's two or three months more that. than I would, have, I would have guessed. Coach, that's, I mean, to, I guess, kind of touch on that, that's, really kind of how you and I met is through the ice in Dodge city. That's right. That's right. And it's a 
when we say ice, we mean slushy. But yeah. well, well, point stands nice. that <laughs> point stands that you don't really you don't think about it. But where I'm going to to the answer to your question, Dom, is exactly what Springer said. It's the availability of the game. Hockey is often seen as a really white collar sport, uh, specifically for us as three tendies. I've just buying equipment, replacement equipment, all that stuff. I've dropped 10 G's easy in my lifetime as attendee playing this what? position. Lifetime? That's hard. Uh, oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've probably, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about the amount of pads I went through as a kid. It was well over 10 G's. Holy exactly. shit. 10 G, 10 exactly. 10 G's is, 10 G's is low. End. I'm thinking like, between you talk about travel, you talk mm-hmm. about equipment, oh, you talk about yeah. practice time. I think we're talking closer to like, God bless my parents, probably like 75 to a hundred. Like it's insane. Uh, well, I, I mean, granted, this is coming, this is coming from Kansas city where, you know, you, you competitive hockey, we traveled every single weekend. We practiced twice a week for two hours. Like that's, that's four hours of ice time alone every single week, whether or not you're playing that weekend that you're practicing. And then if you're not practicing that weekend, you're getting another two hours to go practice. And if you are playing that weekend, you you got to travel, you got to get hotels, gas, and then of course paying the league fees. I, I think well over fifty for sure. Yeah, that doesn't Easy, that even like includes that. equipment. And you were talking just equipment at ten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Easy, yeah. Easy. And the thing that limits the game the most, I think, is accessibility. When we had those teams that were really bad at K State. It was a lineup of dudes from Holton, Kansas, population 3,000, 3,500, something like that. And props to Andrew Grandin because he, when I talked about the right attitude and stuff, this is a small tangent and I'll get back to it. Dudes from Holton, Kansas, all state football in high school, never played hockey before he got to K-State and worked his way up to starting in a final four game because he was that damn good and because he deserved it because he was working in his garage on that cement on days we didn't have practice. He did every single thing you can imagine to learn and get better. And he had the right attitude with it. He had that work ethic with it. And that can be the big thing that it takes. So getting back back on track, accessibility is the thing that I would increase far and away if time and money did not matter because people don't have access to the rink. People don't have access to equipment especially in lower income um middle income the first time i lived in a house that had all of the plaster on the ceiling was when i got to college i did not grow up with a lot i did not realize it until i got to college how much i did not have coming up um and it was that first i went to k-state Mostly on the advice of my parents, I had a lot of Division II offers to play football and throw discus, NAI offers, all that stuff, but none of those were full rides. K-State offered me an academic full ride. There you go. So with that other scholarship money, with that grant money that I got outside of that, I used that to buy my first set of pads. That's kick-ass. The only way that I was able to afford to get into this sport. Yeah was was through that so just making it more accessible financially 
and just having more ranks available for people is is what I would do in that situation. It is a beautiful game. It is the gentleman's game, but a lot of people just can't play it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I, I, I couldn't agree more. Springer and I have talked about this so many times, uh, you know, when, when we've referenced the Houston market, the Kansas City market, uh, of course, our, our favorite team and um, Mr. NHL commissioner himself's favorite team as well, the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for those of you that can't see, Coach just rolled his eyes harder than I think I've ever seen an eye roll in my life. But it, hurt. Uh, it literally hurt. <laughs> It's, it's the accessibility in those areas and you just don't have it. You don't have the exposure. You don't have enough like ice. You don't have, you don't have anything to really make it happen unless you're able to put, as we said, factors aside of money and time, put a lot of money and time into making it accessible. So I, I think that's a good way to look at it. I think accessibility has just got to be one of those things that whether it's, you know, the NCRHA, whether it's the NHL or whatever it is, these leagues need to take a little bit of their, of their income and their revenue and kind of put it back into the smaller communities and, and try to grow their brand that way. Invest, I, invest in what you believe in, 100%. which is the sport itself. And, you know, you see places like Western Kansas, you see places like Houston, Texas, where it's, it's not that there's not interest, it's the fact that there's not people who know that they're interested in the sport quite yet because they've never been exposed to it. You know, I, I didn't know I was uh, interested in following crop judging until I knew that we had national championships championships in it. It's brings us, brings us right back home, you know, full circle, you baby. You don't know it's there until a team is winning. And when it's there, you're following. doesn't matter what it is. I love it. All right. Well, speaking of winning, let's jump in to our final question, and then we'll, we'll give Coach the, uh, the rest of his evening back. The Avs and the Lightning. Who do you got? Avs and four. That's easy. <laughs> four? No. No, 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 no. I'm – oh, oh, Springer, I'm very kidding. Very, That's very a little kidding. optimistic. <laughs> much, much as you had to take and everything then, Dom ooh. said about the Wild with a grain of salt. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, Under- understandably. Understandably. Okay. So let's let's get your as prediction, uh, or or the series prediction, whatever whatever your prediction is. How many games, and then who is your X factor in this series? Who makes who makes a difference for either team? Doesn't matter. Who's making the difference for the team that races the cup? That's a really really two good questions. Um, like my honest to goodness prediction, outside of any biases, is absent six. I like that. Well, Springer what's, and I will get to that later when we uh, when we, we eventually record, but I, I do like Avs at six. Sure. What's dangerous about these two teams against each other, the Avalanche don't mind falling behind because they know it's not that uncommon for them to score four to six in a game. But when the Lightning get Four to six in ahead, a period. Four to six oh, in a period. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But when the Lightning get a lead, they play absolute shut down yeah, they defense. are lights out. And I think that's going to slow the abs down at least once or twice. If not, like, that's what Colorado needs to do is come out and score early and score often, which they can do and they have done. I'm also going to throw this out there. Nobody is ruled out 
for the finals right now for the Avalanche. And that's a really, really big deal. I'm going to say this. It's controversial, but I'm going to say it out loud. Nazim Kadri is my X factor if he's able to play. I was going to he say, he's, the, he's not ruled out, but he is probably helpful if I had to take a guess, at least for games one and two. He just, yeah, he, was, just said, he just said surgery on his thumb. Correct. Correct. With the season that he had, though, he's going to get so much attention when he gets the puck, whether he likes it or not. I'm also going to say another controversial thing. I do not think Nazim Kadri is the dirtiest player on the avalanche. I don't. We well, well you 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 listened to our pod last. I week. Listen. When I we listen. talked. We, we just we talked about it. I, I completely yeah. agree with you. I I agree. I, I think I think has he had some dirty hits? A hundred percent. I think this sure. playoff this playoffs has not been kind to him because he's had some hits that you could argue both ways. You could argue they were intentional. You could argue they were unintentional, and it's just made him look bad. Um, but again, I'll, I'll I'll hit home again with what Springer and I ended ended on uh, two weeks ago. That doesn't excuse any of the racist comments. That's bullshit and get it out of the, get it out of the game, get it out of the league, get it out of society. That's, that's trash. That's garbage. If you are making racist comments to somebody because they beat your team or there was a questionable hit, you need to take a look in the mirror and look at yourself and say, am I the bad guy here? Cause I am, you can, you are, <laughs> you can, you can even take the middle part of that sentence out. And just if you're making racist comments, you need to take a look in the mirror. Well, that's also true. It doesn't matter what they're yeah. about. I mean, anyway, yeah. exactly. That's a very good point. But I, I was just keeping it along the lines of Kadri. But yes, you're no, right. Absolutely you're right. hundred percent. There's there's no room for racist comments in anything. It doesn't matter. I don't care what it's about. It's bullshit. It, it, anyways, I can get on a tangent for that the entire night. I, I could talk about it for hours. So abs and six, Kadri's your X factor. Yes, absolutely. I do not think there is a single game in this series that is more than a two-goal game. Ooh. I can see that. Zero games are more than two. Hot take. I can see that. I love it. I can see it, but I think it's a hot take. I love it. I mean, my my X Factor is going to be totally different, but we'll, we'll hey, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. We'll get there. We'll get there, baby. We'll get there. Um, yep. Well, right. actually, I guess at this point, people will, they'll already know what our expert X, X factors are because we'll talk about it and jump in the interview. But whatever, who cares? <laughs> who cares? We can cut all this. We're new to this. <laughs> We're new to this. We don't care. Um, but hell yeah, coach, coach, plug your, pl- plug your shit. Yeah, plug your shit. So I am also partnering right now with Wildcat NIL. It is the Kansas State Name Image Likeness Collective, and I'm very, very excited to be part of this. It is 100. percent former Kansas State student athletes, uh, varsity basketball, varsity football, varsity track, uh, myself with club roller hockey. We are out here doing everything we can, not just for varsity athletes, but also for a club. You guys aren't going to love hearing this part as former K-State roller hockey players, but we do have NIL deals in line for the Roller Cats already. Sick. Yeah. Nice. Glad, yeah. glad, I, was, glad I was born Sick. four years too fucking early. <laughs> Sick, coach. Oh, Thanks. I had a nickel. <laughs> but it's, it's really, really exciting to be a part of this. We're not just here for the superstars. We are here for everybody from the walk-ons, from the club players to the superstars. And I encourage anybody who wants to support K-State athletes. And, and I hear it so much. A lot of people don't know what NIL is. Get in touch with me. I'm more than happy to have those conversations. And so many people are like, well, I'd rather give you know this money to 
the, the facilities or stuff like that. And we encourage you to keep giving and donating to facilities. But if you don't have those four-star and five-star recruits in those facilities, what difference do they make? It's, right. it's really about helping out, um, helping athletes be the best and, and see what a wonderful institution Kansas State is. Um, it's catsnil.com is where we're at online. You can email me there, Coleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N at catsnil.com. And like I said, happy to have the conversation uh, just about what any of those questions are that you guys may have on that. And, and the other plug that I have is for you guys. It's really for you guys, not just for you, but for everybody that I coached in Manhattan. Um, we're getting ready to start a junior college club here in Garden City, Garden City Community College. Um, oh, it will be cool. a nice. varsity. It will be a varsity sport here in two years. Wow. Is the plan if everything's come to fruition with the rank that's going on campus. Wow. So I'm really excited. Yeah, you're not going to get me away from roller hockey, Springer. You're no, not going to get me away from it. No, I know. So, but if, yeah, if, go ahead. Yeah, if there's something I wish I would have done different in my time in Manhattan, and this really, really applies to you two with what you're doing with this podcast and just what you're doing in, in general, I am really proud of you guys. I'm really really proud of you that means a lot um, i appreciate it Thank yeah you. with with what you're doing as as men and what you're doing as professionals i am very very proud of you um when i went and turned my keys in in manhattan my last night coaching there um when i handed those bus keys off and went on my way i made a point i went to the wreck and i went to see cam and see him there at work and, and just give him a handshake and a hug and Dom, I made a point to go see you at work at Coca Bolos. You did. you did. I was bartending at Bolos. I, I did not. I did not realize that was the night that you had turned the keys in. I did not realize that. I thought it was just a. You knew we were graduating and times were coming to a close. And you just wanted to say, "Hey, that uh, that makes that little little yeah. little scenty, little scenty." Well, never never cried I, on the pod. Well, don't don't get me started now. No, 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 no. I'm not going to get you started now. <laughs> well, I might actually, because I've, I've never told you this. I went in there. I made the point to sit at the bar and just not say anything and, and have you come up to me and talk to me. And we had that little conversation that we did and you were the last one I went up to and you were the last one I wanted to find. Um, I, I cried in the car before I left that parking lot. Like that was when it was real for me was after that conversation with you and, and Dom, you and you Springer, that both of you, I am proud of who you are. I'm very, very proud of who you are as men. That means that what the fucking world coach. <laughs> uh, you don't know much. You got, yeah. yeah. You got no idea. You got no idea. Uh, I, I know, I know we gave you a lot of shit throughout all the years. Uh, when, went to been hockey players if we didn't. Right. And exactly. Yeah. That's uh, it comes with the territory, but I can honestly say you were you were one of the, my favorite coaches I ever had. Um, you you always had the best interest of everybody at heart, and you you were just a, a stand up individual. I mean, your your coaching brought us to nationals three years in a row, every single year that I played. So, I, great guy, absolutely unbelievable. Um, if I keep talking anymore, I might cry. Spring, go ahead and take it away, will you? Yeah. I mean, coach. I, I mean you and I met each other in Western Kansas playing hockey together. 
Western <laughs> Kansas. But three people have ever said that sentence in their lives. Yes, I, and and you and, and I'm I'm currently no. on a podcast with two of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So I mean, the fact that you and I played hockey together in Western Kansas, and lo and behold, two years later, you would end up becoming my coach is something that I would have not only ever anticipated, but something that you know, just kind of went full circle for me personally was something that was very special. And I I really appreciate you stepping up and becoming a, a, a leader and becoming a crucial part of our life and our, you know, young adulthood and becoming not only, you know, better people, but also just becoming becoming more competitive in nature from, you know, falling in love with the sport and I guess, you know, growing up all together, you know, we all grew as individuals through this team. And I think that, you know, you being a part of it was something that was very special. And again, I can't thank you enough for what you did for all of us. So I I, I think, I think, you know, coach, you said you're, you're proud of who we've become as, as young men and, and where, and where we are in our lives. And I, I truly don't think we would be where we're at if it weren't for you. So, uh, cheers to coach. We appreciate him cheers being on the coach. pod and, uh, yeah. And listeners, listeners, text your coach and thank them for text, what they text, did for you. Text, text your coaches. Just, just a thanks. It'll go the world. It, it'll, it'll, if it'll you be the think, world. Yeah. It, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. It, it, no, no, you're if good. You think, if you think we're not watching and we're not paying attention after you are done being part of our program, you are out of your mind. What was great about coaching college hockey is watching boys come in and mature into men. I, I, I hate that term members of society because it sounds like you're, you're another cog in the wheel and you, you guys are not. And I take a lot of pride in coaching the people that are not, who are individuals who are being a bigger part of something bigger than they could have ever imagined. That That's a big deal. And I couldn't agree with Dom more. Like, text your coach, because I, I don't care if hard. it was 20 years ago. Like, we care. We really, really care what you're doing and what you're up to. And that you remember the impression we made with you. So yeah, t- text your coach. Text your coach. Amen. You heard Amen. you heard it here, ladies and gents. And I guess to tie it all back together to kind of the whole reason why we started this podcast is if you have never played hockey before, this is the kind of relationship that you're gonna get with not only your teammates, but your coach as well. So regardless of what age you're at. If you're 45 years old and you're interested in playing hockey, this is the kind of relationship you're going to get with those people that you play with. And if, you know, if, if you have the opportunity, give it a try, you know, you're, you'll never know what you miss until you at least give it a try. And I think that's, 
that's that's the big story of this whole podcast and coach that's big story as to why we wanted to bring you on first because you know we all found hockey on our own ways and i think that you know we some of us found it at a younger age than others but regardless of what age you're at at least give it a try 100 all righty well I believe that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, so as always, listeners, like, comment, subscribe, all the bullshit. You know, got to say it, got to do it. Um, we, we really do appreciate you all listening. We appreciate you all being here. We, we, we wouldn't be where we're, we're at without you all. Uh, matter of fact, we've finally made it to uh, getting, a, getting our own sponsorships. So we're, we're going to kind of... Touch into the world of that and see see how that goes. Let us know. Uh, as always, write in with comments, suggestions, complaints. We love to hear you guys uh, complain about what we're not doing well. Much much prefer those over the people that write in and say it's great. I love it because then you know you tell us what we're doing wrong. We got something to work on. We got something to change. We got something roast, to roast. So roast the fuck out of us, please. I oh want that when goodness. I wake up in the morning. I I thrive off people just shitting all over me all the time. So, dude, I gotta have something to talk about at therapy once a week. That's right. If you guys aren't coming at me, what am I supposed to go to my therapist with? Thank you. Exactly, yeah. Springer. Exactly. Uh, so, as always, like, comment, subscribe, all that stupid. Um, but do it, anyways. So, <laughs> we will uh, see y'all next week, where hopefully, possibly, might have another interview with uh, the equipment manager for the University of UMass. Uh, got to be around with some of the big names that have gone through there in the past four years, I believe. So more on that to come as we kind of get all that finalized. And regardless, next week we're, we're still going to be talking about some unbelievable Stanley Cup Finals hockey. So as always, y'all, one love. One love, guys. One love, guys.